welcome back. I think this is Thursday. Thanks for coming back on a Thursday. And if you're a little behind and you're on another day, that's totally fine. Thanks for coming back. All right, we're going through The Cross and the Lynching Tree um, by James Cone. And uh, you'll want to go and listen to the previous episode if you have not already in order to kind of catch up on what in the world we are talking about here. Uh, I've been quoting just a few passages from this book to illustrate, um, which illustrates uh, the black experience in the American South in the Jim Crow era, and more specifically, uh, attempts to draw a comparison between Jesus's crucifixion and the lynchings of black Americans in the, in the United States. Now, uh, I actually mentioned in the previous one that uh, a little girl wrote to President William McKinley to publicly condemn lynching, and I made a mistake. That was not a little girl. That was an organization called the Boston Branch of the Colored National League. Now, it was a group of people who got together to... Uh, of, uh, of, of colored people, of black people, to get together to promote justice for um, um, African-American uh, men and women around the United States. And their letter was written, was this. This was their letter. I'll quote it. We have suffered, sir, since your accession, accession to office. Let me start over. Wow. I, I can't read well out loud. Wow. All right. Quote. We have suffered, sir since your accession to office, from the hate and violence of people claiming to be civilized, but who are not civilized, and you have seen our sufferings. Yet you have at no time and on no occasion opened your lips on our behalf. Is there no help in the federal arms for us, or even one word of audible pity, protest, or remonstrance? Black indeed we are, sir, but we are also men and citizens, end quote. Like others in his office, President McKinley, after receiving this letter, refused to condemn lynching publicly. That happened, people. There was a, lynchings were happening in the, I think in the period of, in this book he says, between 1880 and 1950, could be wrong there, but it's somewhere in that time span. 5,000 black people were hung in the streets. They were hung in the street from a tree or a light post. That is insanity. And the fact that that was happening, that was happening all over the country. And no one of political power in a seat of authority publicly condemned it. That is that is a tr- an atrocity, literally. But uh, let's move on. So I wanted to clear that up and uh, and uh, go back, so I know I'm quoting it correctly. Here is the second thing. So I told you in the first episode, page eight, where the white men rode up on a little boy, a five year old boy, and his father, black two black people, who were minding their own business rode up on them, pointed their guns at the, at the boy's father as he sat and cried, and made him bow to them multiple times and saluted them, and then just rode off as an illustration of how even the threat of lynching is more 
traumatizing than even being lynched and how that imprinted on this little boy's mind. That was page eight. <laughs> you can tell how dense this book is with, with just powerful, powerful history. On page nine was the second instance where I literally had to pause and think about what I had just read. And I'm going to quote you. I apologize if you're not a fan of of the quoting of the books, but that's what I'm going to do. On page nine, and if you get this book, I'm on page nine. And here's the quote. By the 1890s, lynching fever gripped the South, spreading like cholera as white communities made blacks their primary target and torture their focus. Burning the black victim slowly for hours was the chief method of torture. Lynching became a white media spectacle in which prominent newspapers, like the Atlanta Constitution, announced to the public the place, date, and time of the expected hanging and burning of black victims, often as many as 10 to 20,000 men, women, and children attended the event. It was a family affair, a ritual celebration of white supremacy, where women and children were often given the first opportunity to torture black victims. They would burn black flesh and cut off their genitals, fingers, toes, and even ears as souvenirs. Postcards were made from the photographs taken of black victims while white lynchers and onlookers smiling as they struck a pose for the camera. They were sold for 10 or 25 cents to members of the crowd who then mailed them to relatives and friends, often with a note saying something like this, quote, this is the barbecue we had last night, end quote. Do I need to say it again? This happened. This happened. There are people still alive, still alive, albeit they're aging, who may have been at this event. That, my friends, is one of the saddest things I've ever read in any book. One of the most unfortunate realities to come into my mind of any book I've ever read. And and I'll tell you something else that this book has done for me. It is incredibly convicting because I was so ignorant to the black experience. And I'm, I, I've only read 45 pages of this book. I've only read 50 pages. And it's it isn't until I picked this up that I've really come face to face with the reality of the black experience as told from a man who lived in the Jim Crow era as a black child who was an adult teaching in a seminary when Martin Luther King and Malcolm X were making their prophetic moves in the American South. I mean, it's... And now I guess I'm just wondering, I'm trying to... I'm keeping reading, I'm trying to keep, you know, myself aware... Uh, but I'm trying to figure out what it is that I do now. What how what do I do now, as a white as a white man, who l- grew up in a town that actually had a KKK meeting in his town in my lifetime. 
I didn't, obviously I was a child. I didn't go to my knowledge. My immediate family didn't go, but, uh, I live in a town of 7,000 people. And the fact that there was a KKK rally in the town square in my lifetime says something about my upbringing. Not that my mother uh, did anything wrong. That's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying my immediate community. My mom, I remember her telling me about this and condemning it to me. Like that, those are bad people. So kudos to you, mom. And I also know you listen to this, so I love you. And I had a great time with you over here. <laughs> uh, but I mean my immediate community. I was surrounded in a very small town by enough people to hold a rally. There, in fact, one person told me, my uncle told me when he first moved here, I think it was the late 70s, there, the Ku Klux Klan marched in the parade, in the Ren Lake Parade. That's insanity. In this quote of people coming together and taking pictures and burning them alive. Is, I mean, if it doesn't make you sick, uh, something's wrong with you. Well, let's continue. See you tomorrow. <laughs>